Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Martin Nelson, and I am the Advancing Practice Supervision and Assessment Lead for the Faculty of Advancing Practice, and my specialty areas are radiography, oncology, and end-of-life care. Today's podcast will be focusing on radiography within advanced practice. And I am joined by two of my colleagues from Torbay Hospital. I have Richard Evans, who is an advanced practice radiographer, and James Reed, who is a reporting radiographer, but he's now the quality lead for radiology. And he's also the co-chair of the uh, advanced practice steering group. So I'd like to start this podcast with a very simple question. And the question is, why advanced practice? So Richard, I want to start with you. What's your personal why for advanced practice in radiography? I found that as a basic radiographer, as it was called then, that I didn't really want to settle for that. And I used to work alongside radiologists and look at all the amazing things that they were doing and wanted to be part of that. Advanced practice was relatively quiet at that time. There was very little opportunity other than in GI examinations. But I decided I wanted to do that anyway. And from being more and more involved, my scope of practice completely changed. And I started a cross-modality journey into musculoskeletal intervention. And James, if I could turn to you and ask you now, why advanced practice specifically in radiography from the organisational perspective? From an organisational perspective, we've got to be able to utilise our workforce to the best of their abilities. And and certainly within the radiography workforce, we've got more abilities than we're currently using, which actually allows us to to progress into these these advanced practice roles. And I think that the value that we bring to these multi-professional teams is, is huge. So when you consider the multidisciplinary teams, the, the ability for a radiographer to be able to be integrated into that brings huge advantages to, to not only the multidisciplinary teams that, that exist, but also to the patients. Uh, and being a pen, patient-centered service at the minute, the, the ability for radiographers to come in and make a difference to those pathways, to the outcomes, is huge uh, and something that we, we need to fully embrace. Thank you, Dan. And I think... I think it's really important to, when we think about radiography as a service, we we do know that approximately 90% of patients who have a hospital admission end up coming through the imaging department at some point in their stay. But it also means that the range of areas that a radiographer can support with advanced practice is massive. And I think that's a really good thing. And I think I'm going to I'm going to go back to James here for a moment and ask him. So, from the trust perspective, what does that give us? What does what do we achieve by having a radiographer working at an advanced level? What does that give the organisation? So, I, I think the first thing to, to to talk about is you have to distinguish between a, a radiographer working in a, in a larger site and radiographers working in smaller sites. I think from, from our point of view here in the small DGH, we've got to all wear different size hats um, and different kinds of hats because we've got lots of different roles that we need to cover. And the, the way that we do that is through advanced practice. We make sure that we're embracing all four of the pillars there and, uh, and moving forward with them. Certainly within lo- larger organizations where resources can be, can, can be stretched as they are in the smaller organizations, we're looking at, at new and improved and, and exciting ways of working. So, so having the radiographers there 
in, involved in that is really, really good. And advanced practice within radiography isn't something which is, which is new. It's been around for a long time. And for, for many radiographers, I think we're talking about evolution instead of revolution. So as we're changing and we're catching up with the, the multi-professional standards, we're looking at how we can change our own practice. Uh, and, and certainly when we talk about not, not being constrained by, by your department, but also not being constrained by your, by your profession, there's no reason why we can't have radiographers going and working in places like A&E, in, in GP surgeries, providing all of these different things that, that are typically taken up as spaces by nurses, by paramedics, by physios, by OTs and, and all of the other healthcare professionals. I'm going to bring Richard in here now. And I think James alluded to the fact that it's evolution. And I think your role, very much similar to mine as an advanced practitioner, is an evolution. Where do you think, you know, how do you think that's, that's shaped what you do? My journey is definitely an evolution. And I think that's probably born from the fact that there wasn't an exact pathway into it. And as a result of that, um, it has been a difficult journey, but it's also been quite an exciting and interesting route into uh, the world of uh, intervention. And I think that's where we've, where we've ended up. Is It's not a case of we planned where we are, we've just ended up there. So if you want to think about where is the organisational and how does it do it? How, what is mechanisms are out there to, to, to ensure that we have that support and safety of good governance? not only for the patients, but also for the staff and then the organisation. For, for me, it's about having a good grounding of, of, of understanding. And that's not just understanding from the people who want to go into these roles, but understanding from the organisations and the people right at the top uh, about the advantages that you can bring and how you can support people through that. So, so my role is the part of the, the steering group here in the Trust we're trying to look at how we embed that within our organisation. So we, we've obviously filled in a, a, uh, the matrix to look at our, our governance. Uh, and I'm not going to say that we're green across the board on that. And I don't think that you ever get to the point where you should be satisfied with how you are with, with that governance. And so we, we go through that and we, we're trying to pick out some bits and pieces where we've got... Um, specifics in there that we can work on if we've got something which is black we've got to fill that gap if we've got something where we're red we've got to improve on that uh, and so that that for me is is important from an organization from a from a personal point of view having been it through that and still working in that area psychological safety is a massive thing uh, and and trust is is part of that but you need to be able to to admit when you've got things wrong uh, and and once you get to an advanced practice level or even an enhanced level where you've got the clinical aspects in there and you start to, to realise you don't get everything right. Everybody's human. So we want to make sure that everybody who, who, who comes into this role has the opportunity and the safety net to get things wrong and the chance to learn from that. And that comes from support. So we make sure that we've got supervision in place. We've got the correct um, ability to, to to do the additional training, uh, and but also to be able to go through an audit and assure your own practice. And so th those kind of things fill out all of that, that quality. For me, though, quality is it's not about benchmarking. It's all about quality improvement. And, and so as we change things, uh, and this is all about transformational change. It is about new ways of working. It is about 
even going into the NHS people promise about how we're going to deliver those new ways of working. That's really, really exciting because it means that we will invest in our people. It means that we will look for new ways of working and will empower people when they find those new ways of working to explore them fully. Thank you. And that's, you've brought the cuts on loads of different points there, James. I was just going to clarify, the, the government's framework is the uh, framework released by the Centre of Advancing Practice in order to support advanced practice. And that's freely available on, on the, on the centre's site. So it, it's definitely a tool that we can, that units can use to assess themselves and see where they are and where they need to be. You also talked about supervision. And I, and I think that's probably a good thing to, to discuss now. What is supervision? What's the importance of supervision? Richard, do you want to do you want to comment on that? I think supervision has changed quite a lot um, since I I started off. It was generally just a sort of one to one with a radiologist. You'd uh, they give you a task to do, you do it. They'd give you some feedback, and you're kind of then left to your own devices to a certain degree. I think nowadays we've got to be stricter. We've got to be auditing ourselves fully. We've got to demonstrate that we are capable of doing these roles. And as a result, supervision is integral to being an advanced practitioner. And just to, just to add to that from, from an organisational point of view, with, with the opportunities and the funding that is available to, to people to go and do advanced practice when the organisation needs it, when it's recognised there's a gap there, Alongside of that, we don't sign that off until we've rec- until we've sorted out funding for the supervision and identified who is going to be that supervisor, make sure that they're trained and make sure they've got the skills and capacity to support the individual through that, that whole learning process. Beyond that, I think that uh, going back to, to the word evolve again, something that's happened here locally and I'm sure happens across the country is these advanced practitioners almost hold each other to account. So we hold our own um, MDTs. There's there's the non-medical MDTs where we've got advanced practitioners from across the the organisation coming and sitting in the same room where we talk about shared learning, where we talk about pathways, where we talk about uh, collaboration and co-production on projects as we move forward. Which is which is how we we embrace that that transformational change uh, going forward and how it then shows itself to be an advantage to the organisation. Thank you. He's touched on a load, another load of points we can begin to discuss, and we will come back to a couple of them. One of the things I want to to open now when we when going from the governance matrix is how do we know this individual is qualified as an advanced practitioner, specifically within radiography? And one of the things that, or one of the mechanisms that is in that has been developed by the Centre of Advancing Practice is the what was the HE digital badge that's now the NHSE digital badge in advancing practice. The main route that we'll be looking at is the MSc in advanced practice by the other apprenticeship or non-apprenticeship route. But for those of us who are slightly older and have developed organically like Richard, there was the portfolio which is still going. And I wonder if Richard, would you mind speaking about it? You've, you've successfully passed the e-portfolio and you were one of the first cohort uh, to do so. Would you, would you want to have a quick two minutes just telling us about your feelings of what that meant for you and what sort of work was involved? Yes, of course. So um, as you said, the e-portfolio route was perfect. I'd 
achieved all of these skills and uh, met all the four pillars. It's just a question of proving that. And I think that's what the e-portfolio is really about. And that's showing that you are an accredited advanced practitioner, that you hold the skills to do that role. And it provides assurance and reassurance to colleagues, patients, and other groups who know that once you've achieved that, that you have hit that certain level of practice. It substantiates your role as an advanced practitioner. It's uh, something which it depends on how much level of organizational support you have. And I think in the first cohort, obviously, it made it a little bit harder. People didn't necessarily know what it was. They knew that it was a good idea to do it. But in terms of the sort of mechanics of how it worked and how that when fit into your role and certainly, you know, the time allocated to support that was all a bit sort of, you know, in the sort of, sort of in the unknown. So um, basically, I spent a lot of time in your own time um, trying to fulfill all these different case studies. And it can be a difficult journey. There's a lot of work to do, but it is worth it at the end. I think once you have the assurance of that digital badge, for me, it provides a sort of self-actualization that I can do this role and that I have reached this point where I feel I deserve to be. So I'm just going to add into that. I, I think from, from my point of view, it's, it's, it's validation. And we've got people working in these roles uh, and, and it validates them for the, the work that they're doing. Uh, and that's really important. I think that's where the advanced practice can sit itself quite nicely. When you look at uh, the Society of Radiographers Education and Career Framework, it's clearly in there. It's part of the framework. When we look at school leavers, when we're trying to encourage them to come into radiography, they can look at these things. And if it's, if it's clear cut that this is a route that they can go on, then they might be more likely to come into the profession. And therefore, we increase the recruitment. The, the second phase is we know that a lot of radiographers get burned out or they leave after five years. And so this may help their retention of those staff to say, we can develop you further, we can do more, you can do more, you can make this role into what you want it to be. And I think that's, that's, an, that's an extremely important step um, and support that advanced practice roles can achieve. I'm going to come back to you and what you said about, we said, mentioned four pillars earlier. So I'm not going to talk about the clinical pillar because the clinical pillar is really obvious. But I, when I, in my conversations over the years, uh, talking to radiologists and talking about advanced practice, there's this perception sometimes that it's all about the clinical pillar. And I, and I think that's, that's great, but it's not what we would define now as advanced practice. And I think both Britt and I and James also having a much more organic process in getting where we are, we've, it, it used to be very emphasized that it was clinical only, but actually now we know with the multi-professional framework that you have to be level seven in all four pillars. So... I sort of want to look at, sort of, as an advanced practitioner, Richard, where does, say, the research pillar come in your role? How do you, where do you see that the benefits to the patient and the department come in by you having that pillar very strongly? I've been involved in research since I started advanced practice. I, um, I've always uh, had to audit myself, and that in its very basic means is the very start of doing 
research. Uh, I've also um, been very lucky enough to have been a lead on an emerging technology, and as a result, there was no uh, there's no real understanding of what it did or how it um, how it was going to work within the NHS. And as a result, there's a lot of research going on around it, and I became at the forefront of that. That then led me on into um, membership of the Institute of Clinical Research, uh, which then led me on to where I'm at the moment and constructing different journal articles surrounding my role and um, trying to just contribute to evidence-based practice. What do, where do you think the leadership in advanced practice, where do you think the patient benefit is there? So for, for, for me, the, the leadership pillar is the most important pillar of the lot. Uh, you can translate everything with leadership into each of the other three pillars, uh, whether that be the clinical aspects and, and just touching on the research bits and pieces. As a leader, you're looking to unlock research for, for those around you to encourage and to engage people in it. Uh, and that's, that's at all levels of research. We're not talking peer-reviewed article publications here or massive uh, na- nationwide involvement in, in research. We can do that at a much smaller level as well. So th- that is something, as, as an advanced practitioner and, and a leader in that, is something that I'm really, really excited about. Uh, and it's, it offers us those transformational ways to, to look for those new ways of working. Um, I've got to keep saying the word transformational because transformational leadership is the things that, that helped us to change um, the things that we're providing. It will help us to change the outcomes for our patients. It will help us to, to change the experience for our patients as well. And outcomes aren't necessarily the, the be all and end all. We're also looking at the experience of these patients. When we're looking at the pathways, how we're evaluating it, how we're making sure that, that we're getting the, the best value for money for, for, the, for the government who put it in, um, but also the best for their patients. Uh, and certainly experience is, is up there with, um, with outcomes. Thank you. And I think that, you know, as I mentioned just a moment ago, education as well, education is vital. And it is that, how do you educate? What is education? So I'd say it's, it's almost like telling people about it. It is, there is formal stuff, but it is formal presentations at meetings to say, this is the research I've done. This is the impact on the patient pathway. This is, and then I'm going to lead on this, partly a leadership aspect. The other thing that James um, raised earlier in the talk is co-production with other advanced practitioners. And I want to go back to that because we can give education to them. They can give education to us. And the key in some ways with advanced practice is it's multi-professional. And the the boundaries between professions become very blurred and should be very fluid. So I'm going to ask this one to either of you this now. So how do we how do we deal with the fact that when you have a radiographer who's working at the advanced practice level, they will be outside the traditional boundaries of where the radiology department works? How do we deal with that? Uh, I'm going to go back to my favourite theme, which is leadership. Uh, I was privileged enough to listen to a talk by uh, somebody called Kerry Mills. I'm sure that people will know listening. And she was talking about critical connectors. And I, I strive to be that person. I think that all of our leaders need to be that aspirational critical connector so that they can make sure that you're pulling people into different uh, conversations, different activities outside of radiology. Uh, and, and 
being constrained by a profession, being constrained by a department is not good. You can look at evidence that siloed working will lead to lesser outcomes. So we've got to make sure we cover those those gaps, we bridge those gaps, and, and we take the opportunities when they arise. If I'm finding when I'm sat reporting that I've got a, a run of things that, that don't look like they should have been x-rayed, perhaps they should have gone to MRI, or perhaps we need to look at how that patient got to us, maybe there was a long delay. I'm empowered as the advanced practitioner to go and look at that, to go and change that, to go and engage. Um, whereas perhaps previously in my in, in my career, I didn't feel like I had that that power. I didn't feel like I had that that responsibility. It was just for me to to do and and uh, and move on. So that again is, is something which is hugely valuable to the organisation. We don't have it written down anywhere. Um, but the ability then to work between the, those different professions is, is, is massive, and especially across the, the the healthcare professions council to the, all of the different radiographers, the, the physios, the, the podiatrists, all of, all the way across those, including the nurses. So, if you were, if you had a potential, uh, if you had a radiographer who who's aspiring to to want to develop further, to want to become an advanced practitioner. What advice would you give them? So enthusiasm is the first thing. So if, they, if they've got a desire, that means they've got enthusiasm. What you don't want to do as a leader is not that out of people. You, 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 can, you can teach people as much as you want. You can't teach enthusiasm. So desire is massive. Um, so when people come to me with uh, anything that they're, they're excited about or they want to talk about something, as a leader, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen with fascination. I'm going to try and do everything that I can to help them. You can't go from A to Z without putting the letters in between. So my advice to people would be look at putting that grounding in and look to get yourself up through those levels before you hit the – you can't go from – a newly qualified radiographer to advanced practitioner within the space of a year. That's not that's not feasible. It's not safe. It's not anything that's going to happen. But there are so many different resources out there at the minute from right the way across the NHS uh, and even within your own organisations just to try and uh, and build upon that. So get out there, get, get involved in some research. doesn't matter what you're doing. Get involved in some audit. Get involved in some quality improvement. Take the opportunity to to look at everybody's pr- practice, and I'm not talking about just you know going and watching some advanced practice lists uh, within radiology. I'm talking about getting out there and seeing how advanced practitioners work across your organisation, um, because that that'll then allows you just to build that picture in your head. My final thing is 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 talk to talk to your line managers, talk to the people in charge of you, because the more they know that you're excited about this and you're looking to do that the more that everybody will try to develop that. And when opportunities do come up, that name coming into their head will be, uh, will be somebody that they'll, they'll start thinking about you as they build those business cases. So also there's a lot more, there's a lot of governance around it. And that governance protects the individual, the patient and the organisation, but it also gives structure that. The way things we develop now is moving away from the organic process that some of the older advanced practitioners moved on that's actually not a bad thing because you plan the job to start with. You understand what role that person's going to do and then you can plan that training. And then the supervision, which is part of the advanced practice setup, then comes in. And then we understand that in order for you to progress within radiography as an advanced practitioner, you need a really good support 
and good inroads into the trust's network for advanced practice. You need to be at that table. And if, you, and if they don't give you a chair, take your own and sit down. You know, it's one of those. You have to go and make yourself at that table. But I would say, if you're interested in advanced practice, ask the questions. Come and talk to the faculty. There's lots of information out there. The SATI Red Office also has a lot of information out there. And we're welcome. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you very much, James. Thank you, Martin. Thank you.